Amen. Amen. Second Timothy chapter two, verse one. This is where we'll be this morning. Part two of a message beginning last week. Hardness is coming. Grace that endures. Hardness is coming. And I'm not just talking about the evil that's coming to this world in a greater and greater way. I'm not talking about just the ones God's put the hooks in their jaws even now is drawing them toward Israel. I'm talking about just daily hardness in your life. Daily hardness. You face hardness every day. Things happen in your life every day that are there to try to make you quit believing and trusting in the one thing God's given you to trust in. Amen. Things happen in your life. People say things about you. People say things about other people in front of you trying to get your focus on them. Things happen to us every day in the attempt is always to take get us to take our eyes off the lamb. To take our eyes off the lamb. Because when I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing, which sometimes includes me even sitting there and listening to something I shouldn't be listening to. I'm not I can't be listening to that and trusting in the lamb at the same time. Sometimes you have to do what my wife did years ago when a lady walked in our house and just immediately she does. She did what 99.9% of all people do. They just, if they didn't have anything, if they couldn't talk about somebody else, they wouldn't have anything to say at all. And she walked in our house, and before she ever got past the little corridor there, she was already in her. Robin said, we don't do that here. I was like, ooh. I think I need to go dry off a dish or something. She did, though. She immediately said, we don't do that here. And you're like, what's that? We don't, we don't do all that. Of course, that woman never came back to our house again. Because that's all they do. Don't get caught up in all that, my friend. That's right. Because that's a way of life that's not the way of the cross. That's a way of death, rather. That's not the way of the cross. The reason the Lord's given me this message to minister beginning last Sunday is because fear currently outweighs faith among God's people. Fear outweighs faith among God's people. In the church, confusion is clouding clarity. Christians just aren't sure anymore if what they have heard all their lives is really true. True enough for me to stand on in the midst of anything. Ignorance is spreading faster than knowledge. And uncertainty is overshadowing our confidence. I'm going to read that again. Fear currently outweighs faith among God's people. Talk to them. You'll find it to be true. They're more fearful than they are faithful. In the church, confusion is clouding clarity. Soundness is lacking. Ignorance is spreading faster than knowledge. And uncertainty is overshadowing the confidence that we should have. Because if we were certain, we'd have something to say. Thus, God is raising up men, women, boys, girls, ministries, of sound doctrine which will always be related to that form of doctrine which made us sound in the beginning. Anything that you're sharing from the word of God that's not touching Calvary won't stop any of that that I just read. Won't stop a, a bit of it. Because without the cross Fear will still rule your life even though you know every verse in the Bible. Fear will dominate you 
paralyze you, prevent you from living in the victory that's Christ that you've already been given. It'll prevent you from functioning as the specific part of the body of Christ He's called you to be. It'll prevent you from functioning in the gifts of the Holy Spirit without the cross. The gifts can only be abused. That's why you have all the fake stuff in the church, the fake news in the pulpit. It's because where the cross is lacking, the Bible may be present, but the power is not. My Bible still says the power is the preaching of the cross. Not the preaching of God's Word. Does it say that? No, it doesn't. It doesn't say the preaching of God's Word is the power of God. It says the preaching of the cross is the power of God. So if you want to say that the preaching of the Word of God is the power of God, okay, as long as you're preaching the cross, then what you're preaching in the Word can be the power of God. But without the cross, fear will continue to outweigh faith. Confusion will continue to cloud what we should have clarity about. And ignorance will continue to spread faster than the knowledge we're told to be growing in is spreading. Without the cross, you're not going to experience what you could be experiencing. That's just the way it is. So as the church, and I don't have any of this in my, I mean, I had that in my notes, but what I'm about to say, I don't. As the church cries out for revival, the ones that truly mean it, God's going to take them to the cross. The ones that really want to know why things aren't working and Lord show me how they can work, He's going to take them to the cross. He hasn't got anywhere else to take them. He hasn't got anything else to show them. He's going to use the Word, but He's going to use the Word to take them to the cross. Because your Bible from Genesis to Revelation is the word of the truth of the gospel. Amen. It is the word of the cross. Amen. And that's why all who reject the, the focus and the perpetualness of this message will remain in that uncertain, cloudy, quoting scriptures left and right but they'll remain cloudy and uncertain where fear prevents their voices from preaching the gospel. I'm not talking about from becoming a pastor, that too, but just from sharing the truth. We have social media now. God forbid we let the devil use it more than we do. Amen. Well, it got a little too quiet. I couldn't hear then. God forbid we let the devil use social media more than we do. One day they're going to cut you and me off. We need to take advantage of what we got now. One day they're going to cut you and me off because we're the haters to them. That hardness is coming. We're the haters. They're, listen, they're telling folks they're not going to heaven unless they only believe in Jesus and only if they believe in the Jesus that died on the cross. Man, you're hating the rest of the world if you believe that. Hardness is coming. When the attack on Israel is the way it is now, you're next. There's nothing else between Israel and then this and that and then you, you're next. Because what we have came through that people. Word, Savior, and all of it. Mm. And if you don't know how to be strong, where to be strong, I'm not here telling nobody this morning that you won't go to heaven. But I'm here as a pastor hoping that you'll hear the truth and that you can bear fruit, the fruit of the spirit of truth through all hardness that you go through. Because that's God's will for us to be expressing His Son through everything. 
You've heard me say it before. Many Christians don't like it. But God's more interested in how you're responding to something than he is what's happening to you. Oh, we need to get a hold of that. God is more interested in the way we respond to something than he is what it is that's happening. Maybe if we trust in what his son did for us at Calvary so that we could respond properly we might get to stop praying about everything we asking God to remove. God, get rid of them people. Woo! Move me from this job. Move me away from them. Start responding, expressing Christ, and he will maybe move you away from them just to move you in front of some more people that needs to have Christ expressed to them. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 this morning again. Be thou therefore my son strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. He's talking to Timothy. This is Paul. You therefore my son Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How many of you know you're weak in Christ, but if you'll get in the grace that's in him, you won't be? All my life, I thought, and I taught on this uh, last Sunday, I believe, but I can't say it enough. I'm amazed at how many people can hear my words, but then didn't really hear what the Lord was trying to offer them. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Could we put that up there, Brother Greg? 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and 4. I want you to see this with your own eyes. I hope you'd go home and highlight it in your Bibles. I hope you'd uh, turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. For though he, Jesus, was crucified through weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are... Everybody help me with that next word. We're weak in him. You're not strong in Christ. You're weak in him. Why is that? Because your faith is in what he did in weakness. You see, Jesus had to be crucified through weakness so he could taste death by the grace of God. There is no grace of God without the weakness of man. There is no grace of God for the strength of men. The grace of God is limited to weak individuals. The Bible says when we were without, when we were yet without strength, what did God do? Huh? What did God do? Huh? He died for the ungodly. See? He offered grace from the only place grace comes, which is in... There ain't no grace outside Christ Jesus. There's no grace outside of his death. There's no grace outside of his death. You and I trusted in Christ. We were immersed into Christ where everything we need is, including grace. And that's why we're told to be strong. Leave that up there, Brother Greg. We're told to be strong... In the the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Watch this now. We also were weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. The only way, and this is written about again in the very next, no, in the in the fourth chapter, eleventh verse of 2 Corinthians, that the only way we can express Christ is by the grace of God when our faith is in the sacrifice of Christ. Lost people can be nice. Lost people can read a Bible. Lost people can go to church and put on a good show. Lost people can do a lot of things that appear to be wheat while they're still tares. 
But Christ can never be expressed through a tear. That means it's about more than putting on some show of love and some soft-spoken affection toward others, although we should all be doing that. Amen? Amen. But that's not automatically, that doesn't mean that that's Christ being ministered. Christ being ministered comes with the truth of Christ being ministered. Not just the way we treat people. Because a lost person can come and treat somebody just like you did. The truth of Christ comes with the word of Christ. Don't forget that. There's phrases that have entered into the church for years. Like, don't just preach him with your words. Preach him with your life. And that right there, I believe it to be true. Absolutely. But you better watch going too far over on that last part without that first part. Because if you ain't preaching Him, your affection and all that stuff could just be all about you wanting people to think that you're that type of person. And that's big in the cloudy and confused church. You're weak in him because he was weak in what he did for you by the grace of God. He had to be weak to taste death by grace. God's grace, God told Timothy, I'm sorry, God told Paul, is his strength made perfect in our weakness. So if I need grace, I got to know where it's at and I got to get in it. I'm already in Christ, am I not? But there's grace that's also in Christ, but I got to, I got to get in it. Just because things are in Christ and I'm in Christ don't mean that I'm functioning in what's in Christ. All the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. Yes and amen. But that don't mean I'm walking in all the promises of God. Somebody better say amen. Amen. Just because I'm in Christ doesn't mean I'm walking in Christ. Just because I'm in Christ and grace is in Christ doesn't mean that I haven't fallen from grace. The book of Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 says, I marvel that you so soon removed yourself from the one who's called you into this grace. Grace is something you've got to be in even though you're in Christ. And the way you're, the word in, and I know the Lord's going to get me to teach on this pretty soon because he's stirring it in an amazing way in my heart. When the Bible speaks of in grace, in peace, in anything, it's speaking of your experience of that thing. It's speaking of your experience of that thing. That's why when you were immersed into the death of Jesus, you experienced the death of Jesus. The old man was put to death and a new creation came to life in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you were literally placed in Christ. Something happens when you're in something. In the Bible, if you're Peter, and I just, I'm teaching this right now in 2 Peter chapter 3 at the very end of the chapter, he says that we need to be found of him in peace without spot and blemish. He's talking about our experience. But he says in, we need to be found of God in peace. That means experiencing peace. Little two letter word, that N word, the I N. In something means you're experiencing whatever that is. And let me tell you something about grace today. I did a search on the word grace, and wherever you find the word grace in your Bible, something happened. It ain't just a word that floats around with no fruit. If grace is mentioned in the Bible, there's something that happened that God was doing that men experienced. 
Grace is turned into, again, back to what I read initially, just some cloudy, uncertain, I know I'm saved by grace, but, you know, I really don't understand grace. And that's 99.9% of all the church. They're clouded. They're, they're unknowledgeable. They're, they're unstable because of that. And, and listen, you, you, do, you go home and you do that. If you have a Bible uh, study app or however you do it, and you type in the word grace and all... And and, and, and just mainly to shorten it down, just look at the New Testament uh, times the word grace is there, and you'll see every time the word grace is mentioned, there is something that is happening. It is a happening experience. It is not just a word. You're saved by grace. Something happened when you got saved. Hmm. Paul said, I labor more than all them, but though it be by the grace of God. His labors, what he was doing that you can read about, was by the grace of God. That means that the word grace is tied to the Spirit of God. Amen. He's the Spirit of grace. That's just a little extra for you. I hope you go home and look at that. You can bring it up real quickly. You can look at it and scroll through there. And every time you see the word grace, you're going to see something that was actually taking place. Not just somebody using the word grace because it sounded good. It sounded spiritual. The word grace, I've told you for about 100 years up in here, that grace is God doing something. And he showed me that even more yesterday as I studied this. You therefore, my son, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard of me among many witnesses, the same, those same things, commit, you are to commit those things to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You therefore endure hardness. What for? You know that word therefore is a really a, 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 a God wants to get your attention and, and, and he does. He wants to get your attention with words like therefore. We just read right on past it. When you see the word therefore, he's trying to get you to look back and see what for. And what he has just said, he's told Timothy, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus and what you've heard of me, be faithful to teach other men also who will be able to teach other men also. And he says, you therefore, because of that need is there. Because of that need is there. What I've taught you that you've learned of me, the church needs to hear this. Amen. You therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. And the context in which he's using this means the hardness he's going to have to endure is the attacks that come against him to try to prevent him from continuing to preach what he was given by God through Paul to be able to give to other men. The, the, the young man, Timothy, was in great peril there in Ephesus where Paul left him. That, that'd be like me and, me and, who can I use today? Me and Brother Allen. We going somewhere and we're traveling around. He going to go with me one weekend and for a couple of weeks we're going to travel around, Brother Allen and me, and we going to get up to Sydney, Ohio. Now let's don't say that. We already got somebody there. Let's say we going to get in Wichita Falls and one weekend and I'm going to look at Allen and say, this is where you're staying, brother. <laughs> You're the new pastor here in Ephesus. And Alan's going to say, who say what? That's what Timothy did, say what? But he believed the truth that God was giving him through Paul. And he wanted to be a part of the work to such a degree that he said, okay. And he stayed there. And he was an evangelist. And he was a pastor, though, also of the church there in Ephesus. And everything that was going on around him was to try to pull him away from that which he'd received from the Lord through Paul, just like it's happening in your life today. 
to try to keep him from presenting to even more men that which had presented been presented to him by God through the Apostle Paul to shut this down. Shut this down. Let's talk about something else. We don't need to talk about all this Paul stuff all the time. There are preachers in our time that have ripped out of the Bible Romans chapter 6 and 7 because they don't think it's... Relevant, thank you, brother. That's a big word for me. For our time. Well, let me tell you something. When you take something out of this book, you just might be taking your name out of another book. When you add to this book, you, you, God said you're going to be adding some things that are written in this book that you don't want to be added to your life to your life. You be careful what you do with the Word of God because you're doing to God whatever you're doing with the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Don't mess with the Bible. Let God put it in your heart. You therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. As a good soldier, Paul used this military analogy. I'm glad I was a Marine and happy Veterans Day to all you soldiers, ex-soldiers, soldiers now. And I was a jarhead and, and I, 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 I laugh when people send me messages and say, because uh, yeah, I had on a, a Marine Corps hoodie yesterday eating breakfast with Robin down at the IHOP where they gave me some free pancakes and and uh, and uh, I got two or three messages yesterday from people saying, yeah, well, you need an Army hoodie. I didn't say nothing. I didn't say all because I always think, man, I wonder what it'd been like to lay in the bed every night to be in one of them other branches and dreaming about what it would have been like to be a Marine. <laughs> we all joke with each other. They got Marine jokes. We got Army, Navy, Air Force, National Guard. We all joke with each other. But we're really... We really for one purpose. And I do thank God to have been in the military and all the rest of you who served wherever you are. It's a great privilege and a great honor. But it's a greater privilege and a greater honor to be in the army of God under the captain of our salvation to live as good soldiers And I know what it's like to be in a many-mile run and you want to drop out. I know what it's like to carry a, as a 115-pound small little individual, carry a 35-pound pack on your back and carry an M16 up a mountain that you so be high out in California you can't even see the top of it. I know what it's like to want to quit. And the Lord uses that, my past out there, to show me spiritual things in his word all the time about being a good soldier. A good soldier. You're all good soldiers, whether we act like it, live like it or not. Everybody in that whole platoon I used to be in was a Marine. No matter if they flopped out, somebody asked me when I got out of boot camp one time, they said, because I was telling them a story about one of the oldest guys in there laying in the floor crying like a baby. I couldn't believe it. I was 18. He was 26. Back then in 1980, you couldn't be over 26 to be in. And to an 18-year-old, me, a 26-year-old was an old man back then. And he was laying in the floor, big, big fella, laying in the floor, sobbing like a baby. And I was telling that story. And somebody said, did you ever cry? I said, boy, I was too scared to cry. I'm too scared to cry. (laughs) But that happens in Christianity too. Sometimes people will just lay down and just quit. And that right there, you can't let it affect you. You got to go on. What they need to see is you marching on. Don't lay down there and floor and cry with them. You can pray with them. And you can cry with them, but don't lay down there on the floor and cry with them. You keep standing in this truth. You, therefore, Timothy, endure, endure. You know, that means make it through. Don't make excuses. Make it through. 
You're going to want to quit. Can I tell you this morning? You're going to want to quit. Things are going to happen to make you, you're going to want to quit reading the Bible. You're going to want to quit going to church. At times you're going to quit. Listen, I'd be lying if I said I ain't never wanted to quit and walk away from here. Especially this last year. You just want to pack your bags and go somewhere else and start all over. And the Lord said, where are you going? <laughs> you won't want to quit sometime, but you're not called to quit. You're called to endure. And that doesn't mean take a break till you figure out. No, you just endure means stay. Stay, keep doing what I've called you to do, where I've called you to do it, and what it is I've called you to do. There are no breaks. When you're taking a break, you're not enduring. Well, I'm taking a break for a while so I can endure. Now, you're not enduring now, and now is always the situation. Amen. If you're not enduring, someone else is going to have a problem as they watch you not enduring. You're going to affect people. Don't be like Cain and say, well, what I got to do with my brother. You got everything to do with your Christian brother and sister. If you quit, somebody else is going to want to quit. If you keep going, God's going to use your endurance to help somebody else keep going. Amen. Amen. God has used this ministry and the endurance to minister the gospel alone. No matter what he has called us to preach and teach, the gospel is out of which it all flows. And he's done that. We just didn't decide to do that and make it happen. It is him doing that. And it's the only way you'll be able to endure as a good soldier is if you find the strength that's in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Watch verse 4 now. No man that wars. Now this is what he means here. No man that's warring. See, your endurance is you warring. Your endurance is your warring. And no man that's going to endure, no man who's warring is going to get entangled himself with the affairs of this life. The affairs of this life will make you not endure. I, let me say that again because the church today is going home and back to the couch like never before. Well, I'm still saved, brother. Well, good for you. I'll see you in heaven. But what about now? You're not going to have to endure when you get to heaven. Now is when we endure. Now is when we endure hardness. He says, no man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Now, have we ever entangled ourselves in the affairs of this life? <laughs> yes, we have as Christians, even as Christians who know the answer is the way of the cross for everything. We've still entangled ourselves in the affairs of this life. And let me say that, while we're entangled, we're not enduring. Let me say this, you're not, I'm not enduring hardness unless I'm fighting the good fight of faith because I can't endure it without faith. Faith and grace are side by side. I, 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 just, I just love this analogy I read the other day. It's so beautiful and I don't know that I'll be able to tell it right. But up on top of this wall that surrounds just say some big city, there's this wall and walking along on the wall, there's truth. Truth has to be what's guiding you. Yeah. Truth is marching on. Truth ain't on. Truth is not going to do anything but march straight ahead yeah. on the path of righteousness. What's following truth is faith. Faith. As long as faith is looking at the truth of Christ and Him crucified, it's following Him on that wall top. Uh, faith is following truth. Faith is following truth. But you know what's behind truth and faith? Experience. Truth, faith, looking at truth and following truth, but experience is behind. And if something happens in your life 
to take your eyes off to, to, to keep your to prevent you from trusting in that truth and continuing in that truth. Something happens in your experience and you take your eyes off of the truth to look at your experience that's now falling down the hill. There goes your faith with it. You don't take your eyes off the truth no matter what the experience might be. I've told you for 150 years up in here that you and I, the one thing that we really need to learn to do is accept the consequences of our faith in the cross. To accept the, the, the experiences that are going to come due to our unmovable place of trusting in the death of Jesus. People will leave you. Will that move you away? You may lose a job. That may, may be your experience. Somebody said, I didn't buy into all this, honey. I'm not staying in all this cross stuff. And you turn and you start getting allowing yourself to be entangled in all that. Well, all that is falling off the wall. And you're going to fall off with them. You've got to learn to accept the consequences of your faith in the cross. Because your faith in the cross is going to bring some experiences that you didn't sign up for. And if you don't know how to be or where to be or where to find your strength, you're going to be in trouble experience will end up ruling instead of truth guiding our faith. That's where most are today. They live by experience. They don't even know if they're going to church until they wake up on Sunday morning if they feel like it. If they feel like it. They're not living according to the truth of God's Word. Amen. Amen. They want to go to work, ask everybody in their little friend uh, circle of friends at work, well, what do y'all think? I don't care what you think. I got a Bible. Hallelujah. When we do that, we're really just looking for some strength in numbers to do what I really feel like I want to do. Amen. I'm just doing a little preaching this morning. That's all right. No man, everybody say that means me. No man that wars... That means that's enduring hardness as a good soldier is going to entangle himself with the affairs of this life. It does not mean we don't have affairs in this life. It means that whatever they are, they don't pull us away from following the truth of Calvary. Yeah. Yeah. Don't care what it is. When we say I'm going on with Jesus, that's what that really means. I'm going on in his way of the cross. And if that brings some hardship in my life then I got to endure it. Now hardships coming in my life because of sin in my own life that's hardships too. And that can be fixed very easily by repenting by repenting and coming back to Calvary. Because you know Calvary Calvary is the answer for the lust of your flesh too. Amen. And the Bible says in Galatians 5 that we have, those that are Christ's, that's us, have crucified the lust of the flesh with its affections. The cross is your answer. You just got to keep your eyes open. The experience is coming. I want the experience that follows my faith in the sacrifice. Sometimes that's going to be something that I didn't sign up for now. But it's a whole lot better than the experiences that I'll have if I'm not following by faith in the sacrifice. Amen. Amen. No man, watch now, this is very specific and very informative here. No man that wars, no man that's going to endure hardness as a good soldier is going to get entangled with the affairs of this life. The reason he's not going to is so that he may please him who has chosen him to be a good soldier. Do you love Jesus this morning? I said, do you love Jesus this morning? How much do you love Jesus this morning? That's the big question. We all love Jesus, but how much do we love him? 
Jesus taught that to whom much is forgiven, the one who loves most is the one who's forgiven most. Well, we've messed that up too. We think that we think that the one who's out there who got tangled all up on the limb and branch and the drunk, drug addict, all this stuff out there. Listen, the guy who never did all that was forgiven just as much sin as him. Because it's not so much about all the things we did, it's about who we were. We were as much a sinner as anybody could ever be. We might not have committed as many acts as other people and some not as many of us, but we were all as big a sinner as a sinner could be because if you're a sinner, that's just what you are and everybody comes into this world as a sinner. Full-blown guilty. Even though some won't ever, won't ever, and I'm not going to name any names, some of y'all probably still struggling with some of that stuff, but it don't matter if your list is that long or this long. Guilty before God is guilty before God. Amen. Now I didn't get where, let's get over to Hebrews real quick, chapter 12. I got about an hour and 10 minutes left. Y'all gave me extra hour today. So. Y'all didn't do, you know we were fasting this Sunday, did you? <laughs> I forgot to put that in the notes last week. <laughs> when you're fasting, from 11.50 to 1. <laughs> I'm kidding. Hebrews 12, 25 through 29. We've got to read this because this is not written to lost people. It's written me and you. Hebrews 12, 25. See that you refuse not him that speaks. My goodness, God's still speaking. For if they escape not who refused him that spoke on earth, much more shall... We not escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he's promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, that's the word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, there's one of those words again, wherefore, you can't just open your Bible and start with that word. If you do and you don't go back, you're not going to get what you need to get. Wherefore, we, everybody say, that's me, receiving a kingdom, and that doesn't mean we're going to, we have. That's right. We're in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within us. So, wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace. And that means let us hold to grace. You don't have to. You don't have to. But it's in Christ where you are so that you can hold fast to grace. You can be in grace. You're in Christ. Grace is in Christ. Everything needed is in Christ. But I have to be in that which I desire to experience. And here I'm told that I better be holding to grace. Watch why. Whereby we may serve God acceptably. Wait a minute. I can't serve, I cannot serve God acceptably. I cannot serve God acceptably without grace. And the Christian is not just living by grace automatically. The church in Galatia was told, you've fallen from grace. You're not functioning in grace anymore. You're not receiving that which God could be doing for you, in you, through you now. Because you're trusting in what you're doing. Just because we're in Christ, grace is in Christ, doesn't mean that I'm laying hold of, that I'm experiencing Christ in, you have to experience Christ in grace. And that doesn't mean a thousand and one things, it means one only, that your heart has to remain yielded to where grace comes from. 
the cross. Nowhere else. We read this. I tell Robin all the time. How many millions of expositor study Bibles have been sold or given away? But where though that are preaching out of it? Where are those that have received the determination that God has to be able to minister that message, just like Brother Swagger has done for years, and even wrote commentaries that are full of no other focus, the Bible that's full of no other focus, every book he's written of no other focus, where are the preachers preaching that, that call themselves associated even with him? Because it's more than words on paper. It's something God does in the heart of man. Grace doesn't happen outside of in the heart. What we do, we do by grace. What I'm doing this morning, I'm doing by grace. But it all stems from what God's doing in me by grace. Which is what He's doing in me. Let us hold to grace. Let us have grace. You know, the, you read this and just you just read through this and you're like, well, I already got grace. Uh, what does it mean? Let me have it. I already got it. Uh, no, you already have access to it. And God's desire more than our desire is to multiply it to you, to give you more grace. For what I need more grace for, I'm already saved. That's the natural mindset of the typical Christian without saying those words. That's what we think in our clouded confusion. Why do I need more grace for what? I'm already saved. And if all you know is grace for salvation initially, then you won't know why you need more grace. But you need grace to have God doing anything in your life. Without grace, it ain't God. It ain't God. I can imitate and carry on like you can, but it don't mean it'll be God's grace. You've got to have grace for everything. God can't be served in an acceptable manner outside of grace. I can't find the strength I need moment by moment in my life outside of the grace that's in Christ Jesus. You don't hear this taught. We're in Christ. Grace is in Christ. But it's not just an automatic thing. You have to learn what it means to be in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And it means only one thing. To have your heart yielded to the very object that allowed God to give you grace initially. If He said, I want to give you more grace, He's only going to give you more from where He came from. He doesn't have another well from which He pulls salvation out of, that He pulls grace out of. The church today thinks, well, if I'll just do this, God will give me grace. He's never given a human being that's ever lived grace for what they do. He's given them grace because of their faith in the sacrifice. Then He, through them, does what needs to be done. God built the ark through Noah. God built the the ark through Noah. The ark itself saved Noah and his seven family members' physical bodies, physical lives, but that sacrifice saved their soul. That's right. And it was all by grace that Noah found. And what did that grace do? It built an altar. And the grace from what he had his faith in flowed from that truth of a Redeemer coming and with ever, ever nail driven in that ark a hundred and whatever years, it was driven in by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm. Let us have grace. I already got it. I need more of it. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Reverence before God and godly fear does not exist because in my flesh I'm trembling that I I might have done something wrong. No, listen, grace is the only avenue through which I can serve God acceptably and even be reverent before Him. I'm not reverent before Him because I go to a back room in my house and light a candle and turn on some worship music and and get down and and I just feel like this is a good moment. There ain't nothing wrong with doing any of that, but can't none of that bring grace to you. 
Grace may put you in a prayer room. Grace may... Uh, uh, grace, listen, when you come out of that prayer room, if you got the grace of God, you're going to be found functioning by it. You come out of a prayer closet saying you got the grace of God, what'd you get it for? Because you go through the Bible and grace always does something. Grace is always doing something. Because it's the Spirit of God. Grace is doing something. Well, I'm living by the grace of God. You are. I'm living by the grace of God. In that bar on Friday night, you living by the grace of God. I ain't going to name off a bunch of stuff because some of y'all get mad at me and leave. Well, he must heard what I'm... Who told him? People, did they leave the church, my Lord? You get personal with them. They don't mind if you preach to that clock back there about sin, but when you start looking at each other, <laughs> whoo! Do we not all have a problem? Yeah. Are we not all our own problem? Do we not all need more grace? Multiplied grace? That means more of what God wants to do to carry out His will in my life. He wants to multiply. He wants to multiply what He's doing in my life. But it's not so somebody can look at me and say, wow, He's awesome. No, He does everything He does for the expression of His Son to be seen, for His Son to be known, for the touch of his son to be upon somebody. Jesus. He's the one who tasted death by the grace of God. We're told to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, not the grace and the knowledge of a preacher or denomination. All that mess needs to shut down by the end of the day. That's why we're not a part of any of it. None of it. And they don't like it. Why? Because they can't control you. We don't preach control. We preach liberty. Amen. What you need is grace. But you need to be strong in grace. And it's where you are. You're in Christ. Grace is where you are. It's in Christ. You have access into it if you yield your heart moment by moment to the death of Jesus and your union with Him there. See, that's what allowed you to be saved by grace. Him dying for you and crucifying you, putting you away. Amen. You know, when... Jesus died, he stole the power of death away from the devil by crucifying you and putting you to death. You're the one he had the power over. Walking dead people. Jesus took the power that the devil had over all walking dead people. Amen. Grace that saved you is the same grace you need to experience what you've received of the Lord. Amen? Amen. I better quit. We'll have to do that fasting thing another time. The Lord's been good to us. That's an understatement. That is far, far, it seems, doesn't it to y'all seem like, just to say, God, you're so good, it seems like, There should be words bigger than that. We couldn't handle them if they were. That's the word he's given us to use toward him. Because it's really all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Do you know that God is good this morning? Do you know that you're saved by grace? Do you know that you can live by grace? Do you know that you can endure every ounce of hardness that gets put in your Way. Amen. There's no Christian that cannot endure hardness, but they'll have to find the grace that's in Christ Jesus to be able to do so. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. Lord, your word 
is who you are. Your word, you said, is forever settled in heaven. Settle down right there at the right hand of where you are, Father. The living word of God. Settled forever there at your right hand. Because you sent that living word, that incorruptible seed to this earth to be tried in all points. Your word was being tried in all points. But your word, being your son, never failed one time because your word stands sure. Your word, that through which our faith comes, brings your grace on the scene, really brings you on the scene doing what needs to be done. I thank you for showing us today, Lord, that where there really is grace working, that it's the fruit of the very faith that's required to even allow the grace to function. I thank you for that great truth. That when your grace is at work in our lives, it is the fruit of the very faith that's required to receive that grace. I thank you for a people who are hungry in these last days to learn the truth. We know you're coming for us. We know we can be encouraged by knowing that. But to endure hardness, we got to know something else, Lord. And I pray for your people. That you would equip those that you're able to. Those who are truly hungry to know you. To be found where you're leading your people in these last few moments. Where our, our lamps can be full of oil, our hearts full of joy. Where our assurance doesn't have to be overtaken by cloudiness. Where our faith doesn't have to waver and be destroyed due to fear. I thank you for the stableness, the stability of knowing you and walking with you and learning of the knowledge and the grace that comes through the cross of our Savior. Hallelujah to the Lamb. The Lord says that His eyes without fail never ceasing go to and fro throughout the entirety of all the earth seeking for just anyone anywhere that will allow him that that person with a perfect heart that will allow him to show his strength in the behalf of them I pray for that people to rise to the occasion today, Lord. I pray that there'd be more people found with that perfect heart, that heart being made perfect by the blood of Jesus. The only place that we can even use the word perfect is with your son and his accomplished work at Calvary. And I thank you for a people that you're awakening to the reality of this great truth. Your focus has never been anything other than your son. And what you would speak through him and what you would work through him. <coughs> I thank you for this morning and the praise and the worship and your touch of healing upon those that you had us pray for. I thank you for the days ahead Although they will bring much hardness, your grace abounds greater. I thank you that you've allowed us to walk with you 
through every trial, every hardship, so that we can not only be represented by you, but that we can represent you. In these last days, that the expression of your Son will be the most important thing in our marriages, on our jobs, in our classrooms. The most important thing to us would become the expression of our Savior. In every situation, train us, Lord. Teach us, Lord, to walk in this place that we're being made conformable to. Hallelujah to the Lamb. If you need prayer this morning, come let us pray for you. If you've never been born again, you can do that this morning simply by admitting that God did send His Son to die on the cross for your sins, that you are a sinner and you will not go to heaven without accepting Him as your Savior. You can do that this morning simply by asking Heavenly Father to forgive you of your sin and telling Him that you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's not for some, it's for all. Jesus tasted death for all men. Lord, we gather this morning here with our hands laid on Brother Sin, simply asking for your will to be carried out, for we know that your will, you told us, is good that it would become acceptable to us in spite of what everybody else does, what everybody else says, even the way we feel our own selves. May your word be exalted in our own hearts just as you've exalted it even above the heavens. I pray that what we run to is the leading of your spirit as he leads us by the truth for every answer that we need, every single movement of Sam's life will be ordered by the truth of Christ and his laid down life on Calvary's truth. I thank you for the wisdom he needs. I thank you for the growth that he will experience in the days ahead simply by not trying to figure everything out, but just by simply admitting you're his Lord, you're his King, you're his Master, you're his Ruler, you're the one that can guide the way, and I thank you, Lord, for giving him a fresh and new hunger to serve you, a fresh and new hunger today to know your Word, the Word of life for him, that the Word of God that became flesh and went to the cross could be made real even within this old flesh of his.
Lord's been good to us today to remind us of what He has. Let Him engraft this truth into your soul. Take it to the lunch table. Take it to the pillow tonight. Take it. Take it. Receive it. Take it, this word of truth today, and allow the Lord to make it like concrete in your spirit and your soul. Take and receive this. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you again that we can leave this place with our hearts full of joy in knowing you, trusting in you, hearing the truth that will help us along the way as we continue to partake of the divine nature through all these precious promises that you've given us in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bless the people as they depart now and remind us all that we are now about to enter into the mission field. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have